Hello there, welcome to Journeys to Come with me, Katrina Roundtree. Now you are entering the fan dome here, the fan dome for Leanne Moriarty. Of course, Leanne is one of the world's most successful authors. I believe she's written eight books. I think we're up to eight now. Her first publishing deal, of course, came from her father who gave her an advance of $1, $1. And I think that she wrote a trilogy for him initially all those years ago. Well, my goodness, hasn't her life exploded in all sorts of different ways? I know that many of you may know her simply from the TV adaptions, the movie adaptions from her books. Of course, Big Little, Big Little Lies being, well, it was an international success, wasn't it? Uh, many people watch Nine Perfect Strangers as well. But I know that also many of you are just like me and we absolutely adore her books. I'll give you a little bit of background as to my connection with her, so to speak. Um, Leanne and I grew up in relatively the same area. I am a North Shore girl through and through. And if you know that area and Leanne's books, you will be able to smell those coffee shops. You will know those leafy streets. You will know that there is actually a very big difference between Upper North Shore and Lower North Shore. Lower North Shore, of course, being when Nicole Kidman grew up, but you probably already knew that. Now, also, Leanne has, um, I don't want to give too much away because I'm going to get Leanne to tell this story, but I'll give you a bit of background. Leanne has uh, a character named in one of her books, after my big sister, Lucinda. And there's also a Katrina in one of her books. And before I ever knew what the real story was, I went to a meet the author um, uh, sold out book signing uh, for Leanne's book when um, Nine Perfect Strangers came out. And I was that, that eager to go and meet her and say, excuse me, can I just ask you have one of your characters named Lucinda, you've got one called Katrina, what is going on? And then she revealed the story as to her connection specifically with my sister. And I'm really embarrassed to say, I almost feel like apologizing, but my sister Lucinda has never name dropped Leanne Moriarty. And so I am going to get straight into things and welcome from the North Shore, hello. <laughs> Hello, how are you? It's lovely to see you. I'm very well. It's lovely to see you too. Firstly, fabulous cabinets. Um, Thank you. you. You clearly have a great carpenter. And I'm <laughs> going to show you my cabinets, which are somewhat similar. If they, are. they are. We're so similar. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's so nice to see you. And thank you for coming for a chat. I, I believe that we only have a short amount of time, though. Oh, that's okay. No, don't, don't. Don't feel rushed. Do you remember the last time we saw each other? Yes, I do. Um, you tell the story. How, how relevant could it be? It couldn't be more relevant. <laughs> so I was actually just saying in my introduction that we, la we last saw each other 2019, I think it was, at the Australian Open when we had, was it the Australian Open? It at was the Australian Open, but do you know what? It was actually 2020. It was just... It was just yeah. before it all happened. So I always remember because it was the very last event that I did. Um, so, and I think we were still, it was, we were talking about it, about COVID at that time. Um, and but, we were talking about your new book. We were. It's about tennis. 
exactly exactly and that was my first ever live tennis match so that's why I'd said yes to go to that um, because it was an opportunity to learn about tennis and on that day I also met Yelena Jockic who I I know that you credit in the book as well so so tell us a little bit about that uh, about there is an element of Yelena's story that is woven into Apples Never Fall, isn't there? An element. Uh, there is an element. I did, did. I definitely read her book. I wasn't aware of consciously um, taking Yelena's story, but you're probably right um, that that's where that particular, yeah, 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 you're probably right. I actually haven't thought about it. And the yarn, I remember at that lunch, I remember the host mispronouncing your name. <laughs> and I looked at you and I went, Leon, I've got this sorted. <laughs> you did. And I was very grateful. Thank you. And, in fact, she, um, I always remember because she actually said, well, I thought it was Leanne, not Leanne. So she felt bad because, um, and then I felt bad. You know, it's one of those things where we all feel bad. Yes, yeah, probably because I told her off. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> sure you didn't. <laughs> And then I, I also would like you to share the story um, because I'm really ticked off at my sister, Lucinda, who has never name dropped you, which is not something that I would do. Like I would name drop you to everyone if I had Lucinda's story. I name dropped Lucinda to you uh, <laughs> yeah, because she ran a, a gorgeous uh, gift shop in my local area. And, in fact, I used to do all my Christmas shopping there. I miss, I miss Lucinda very much. And gift wrapping for me too. That was the best part. Well, Lucinda has gone back to teaching. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm wasting my precious time with you. <laughs> my precious time talking about my sister. Um, but she sends her love and, and she actually is still living, I think, pretty close to you. And uh, firstly, I did want to say, you've entered the fandom. So don't expect your brain to be stretched in any way. <laughs> interview there will be no cerebral comments but I, I have to admit I did put out that I was doing my chat with you and so I have a whole bunch of questions from book clubs and from other fellow genuine fans they'll be the smart questions <laughs> I'll, I'll I, just, <laughs> I just want the goss okay um, however um just just, you know, like picturing where you are in, in your beautiful home, mm. um, I am the sort of person that I immediately go to the cabinetry, um, <laughs> to the background, beautiful family photos. You and I have grown up um, in the same area. I, I'm going to put that one out there in the same area. I feel that when you write, I know precisely the streets, the cafes, I feel like I know intimately the places that you describe. I was just wondering, how does the North Shore inform what you do? Uh, actually, I don't know that it does in a big way. I always say that I don't feel that setting is my strength, uh, that I don't actually have much of an ability to describe a landscape. So, you know, some authors, you read their books for the beautiful descriptions of the landscape. Whereas for me, I think character 
is my strength. So I just automatically set my books where I am. So uh, they've ended up being set all mm. around Sydney. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really just because I, I don't even feel that I actually, as a person, have a much of a sense of place. I do, I'm not somebody who knows where I am. I don't know those street names. I almost feel like you as a reader, especially if you live in this area, will have a stronger sense of where it's set because you're bringing your own imagination and your own experiences into it than I actually do when I sit down to write it. That explains me perfectly because when I started this book, I was like, oh, yes, oh, yes, I'm in there. I know it. I know another reader said to me, I could smell the coffee in that cafe when the waitress was eavesdropping <laughs> on the conversation. And yet I was um, genuinely surprised, I say this respectfully, the book went to number one instantly, New York Times, Congratulations. Thank you. It's as popular in Montenegro as it is in Manhattan. So I don't know how you explain that success. Is, is it because of the skill of nailing the character? Uh, uh, well, I hope so. I hope that's part of it. I do think also, though, that I uh, became more successful actually in the US before I did in Australia and I think part of that was because uh, American readers actually did enjoy the Australianisms of my of my mm -hmm. work and they liked feeling that they were uh, being transported somewhere a little bit different but still familiar uh, so I think that uh, I, I think most of us especially well this applies more to Big Little Lies but I found that most people were saying it's so interesting that the experience of being a school parent is similar the world over. I wanted to ask a couple of questions that came up for me when I was reading the book. Um, the first one being you, your description of the male psyche is so spot on. Um, you, it's not always favourable. <laughs> Doll. And I was just wondering, does your husband, Adam, ever read the books? Does he, how does he feel about, about the male characters or, or your books in general? Well, I'm, I'm like that you think I've got the male characters right, because again, I always think of myself as a girl's girl uh, and feel that my female characters are the one that, what the ones that I, um, I don't know that, that I excel in and I actually made a concerted effort with this book to give my male characters as much depth as my as my female characters I felt perhaps I was too skewed towards my um, female characters uh, but yeah he does sometimes especially when I'm if I'm writing a book he might sit down at my computer and say that's me you just took something that I <laughs> that I said and so I quickly closed the the document. And is he cool with that? Oh, yeah, he's cool with it, yeah. <laughs> and what about your daughter? Because I saw in the acknowledgements that your daughter passed your computer as it was open and she wrote her own acknowledgement. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she inserted something into the acknowledgements and I thought I'd just leave it there because it made me laugh so much. <laughs> it made me laugh as well. I, I have to say I loved reading all the acknowledgements. I went through everything <laughs> and I... I uh, the way that this chat came up is halfway through it, I was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can interview Leanne. And I contacted your uh, publicist mm. and I said, I'm not sure 
if I should be saying this about the book, but I found it hilarious. <laughs> and I just wondered, as you're writing, do you just crack yourself up? <laughs> um, I always feel like that would be me laughing at my own at my own jokes. Um, so if I sometimes I do catch myself chuckling a little bit, but then it is embarrassing because <laughs> I wrote it. So if I'm writing and I'm going, <laughs> it's, um, it doesn't feel quite right. Um, but I'm so glad you found it funny because I want it's yeah it's meant to be. It's meant. To, I prefer readers to. Um, I prefer to be described as writing comedy rather than thrillers, even though obviously there are thrilling elements to it. But I always feel like the um, thriller readers will say it's not quite thrilling enough. Um, I think my readers are ones who enjoy the characters and the humour and then a sort of uh, a, a side of mystery. Mm. And that's the wonderful thing about books is that you'll find your tribe and, and clearly uh, you've definitely found yours. Next fan question. I just wanted to know, I know that your dad gave you your first commission for $1. Yes. Your first advance um, when you were a child. When you, when you um, I, don't, I don't even know how to phrase this, but when you sort of got your first big advance, um, what did you spend it on? Was it like a handbag, shoes? Did you put in a tennis court, garden? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I do remember I bought um, I bought a painting. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but which, which I which my husband didn't like. So it's not. I don't actually. You've reminded me that I think it has been secretly taken away. Uh, I'm not. I think. It, we're a little bit roles reversed in this case in that he's the one um, who's more into the interior design and that sort of thing. So he says, no, no, you don't like that. Um, and he's the one, if we're renovating, he will bring me two things and say, which one do you like, this one or this one? And I'll say that one and he'll say, no, no. And he'll go with this one. <laughs> so I'm going to look for that painting now. <laughs> I feel a little bit upset with the painting. I was genuinely wondering. And so, right, okay, so there's a little bit of role reversal going on. Is that right that Adam is a former farmer? I don't know if you are a former farmer. I think you're always a farmer. Yeah, I think you're exactly you're exactly right. He would still call himself a farmer. Yeah, that's true. He's a country boy. And so um, do you feel, I know that you've got a lovely garden, but um, do you get nervous asking about the rain? I do, because I married a farmer and I, I'm used to when it rains, oh, it's good for the garden. But it's, it is a very, um, uh, it's a tricky question in my house. Too yeah. much rain, not enough rain, good <laughs> time. Yeah, there's a lot I don't understand about uh, any of that. And as I said, I don't have much of a sense of, of place or even of um, of the backyard. I remember he, he was always talking about some particular tree that we needed to do something with. Um, and then he was out when somebody came to say, oh, I'm here to look at the such and such. And I remember walking out into the backyard and sort of pointing vaguely. <laughs> I haven't been listening as we talked about this significant problem. <laughs> do not tell me you got the wrong tree. Well, I just pointed. I said, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> okay, stick to your strengths. 
Stick to your strengths. <laughs> um, now, I mentioned that uh, I put out into the universe um, that we were doing this chat and, and if anyone would like to ask um, some questions. And I had a lovely one from the Beecroft Book Club. And they, this is this is definitely going to be used, I think, for their for their book club. Um, why did you feel, um, or why did Joy feel compelled to help Savannah in the book? Was it possibly a reflection of the relationship she didn't have with her own daughters? I think that's a very insightful uh, question. I think there are a few elements to it. I think first of all. First of all, when uh, Joy opens the door, so there's a, a knock on the door late at night uh, and a, a woman, a stranger is, um, is hurt and needing help and Joy and Stan let her in. Well, firstly, part of it is that uh, Joy believes she probably knew this woman um, and that she would work out who she was in just a minute because, you know, she's a, uh, she's a former tennis coach, she's a mother of four, uh, and I think when you get to that age, there are you know <laughs> you just uh, know so many people in Rolodex, Rolodex, exactly. Yes. So she was going through the Rolodex, uh, and then there was no way that she couldn't let her stay the night. Now, even that when you know it turns out that she doesn't know Savannah, um, and and also so she lets her stay the night. And I was writing a lot of this during lockdown when I was uh, becoming very sick of cooking night after night. So I gave Joy my hatred of cooking and then I decided that Savannah was a wonderful cook. Uh, and so I thought <laughs> it was probably a little bit of wish fulfilment that somebody would knock on the door and uh, move in and be my cook. So there was that side of it. And then exactly as the ladies of uh, Beecroft said, I think she then, she had a, a far less complicated relationship with Savannah began to develop than the one she had with her own daughters. I just have to ask about that element of, I hate cooking! <laughs> because, I mean, you're saying genuinely something that happened to you in COVID. I read that and I'll, I'm showing it to my husband. See! See! <laughs> <laughs> and I'll bet, I'll bet that sentiment has travelled globally. <laughs> It was just the night after night after night. I didn't think that I um, was somebody who went to restaurants that often, but once uh, once they're taken away from you, you you notice, don't you? It's interesting how you do weave um, COVID ever so subtly mm. into that book. Um, what has what has it been like for you? I would have thought COVID has been kind to authors because I'm reading books like it's going out of style. Yeah, well, uh, firstly, from a book sales point of view, I don't, I don't think, I think books have been doing okay. Of course, it was really hard for independent bookshops where um, you couldn't have customers going in to, to browse for books. So that part was hard. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people kept reading. Although right in the beginning, I think a lot of us experienced that, um, where you're just doom scrolling through your phone and some people said they couldn't read at that time. Yeah. Um, and from a writing perspective, I ha did have a lot of author friends who were saying in the beginning that they couldn't write, but I was lucky because I was at a good stage of the novel, so I, was, I had momentum. So it was actually for me that very first lockdown, um, I, was, I was well into it and the writing just continued. Uh, it was sort of... Uh, 
a lovely time. Um, and I had actually just lost my father just before that first lockdown. And you know how you want the world to stop when you, you know, you want the clocks to stop and everything, um, you can't believe life goes on when you lose somebody. So for me, in a way, it was almost lovely that the world did come to a, come to a stop. So that was that first lockdown. And then um, this second lockdown though, because you know, then we all came out and got back to normal life. Um, and I have to say this time around, I do appreciate what those authors said in that first, when they were saying, I just can't write, I've got nothing. And I feel mm -hmm. a little bit like that now. You need the stimulation to, to write. You need to be getting out and overhearing conversations as the characters in my books do uh, and just seeing people. I am so sorry to hear that about your beautiful dad. And, and he's often mentioned um, was his name Bernie? Bernie, yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, oh. yeah. So as I said in the book, he'll he'll stay in my acknowledgements forever. Absolutely, and the man that gave you your first advance of the big fat one dollar. <laughs> that's right. Yes, he could see you now. <laughs> um, uh, it leads me to Cheryl's question, who has asked, "What inspires your storylines?" That's quite a that's a big question, in a way, isn't it? It is a big question um, because it comes from everywhere. So things that I read, things that uh, people say, podcasts. So in this case, for this book, I actually came to podcasts a little bit later than a lot of people. Uh, and because like in the book, Joy gets the, these fancy wireless headphones, uh, which I did too. <laughs> Uh, and like a lot of people, I started listening to true crime podcasts. Oh. And sadly, there are multiple cases where a woman goes missing and the main person of interest is her partner. And invariably, he's described as a loving father. Uh, and that would always make me think about the children and how, you know, the terrible dilemma these children faced. If he was guilty, could they forgive him and so that's how so it was definitely those true crime podcasts that um, helped me come up with that premise also in this case I had asked in that the year before the bad year so 2020 it was 2020 when you and I saw yeah the beginning. Mm, yeah um, it was in actually 2019 I was calling a year my year of joy um, and because I decided to take a little time off, but I had thought I would do, I would write in that time, but maybe just write some short stories, not get into a new novel straight away. And I asked my sister Jackie, who's the author Jacqueline Moriarty, to send me a prompt, to send me a writing prompt. And she just texted a few sentences about a bike lying on the grass with some apples spilled next to it. Uh, and instead of writing a short story, that as you know, is the actual opening scene of the book. So it's yeah, everywhere, little a text from my sister, a podcast, anything I read, anything, oh, Truly Madly Guilty was inspired by something that happened to me at a barbecue, um, everywhere. What about the hypnotist? The hypnotist, um, was it the hypnotist story, the hypnotist wish, what was that one? The, the hypnotist love story, yeah. I loved that one. Where did that come from? Oh, that's because I was dating somebody who had an ex-girlfriend who had trouble letting go of the relationship. 
and what I was so fascinated by that was that apparently, you know, she was a professional woman who I'm sure people would never have thought that she would have been described as a stalker because basically she was stalking him. Um, and I'm always so fascinated when ordinary people behave in what you would consider extraordinary ways. So she wasn't like that man in the basement cutting out, um, you know, magazine articles, cutting out the letters to send terrible, uh, scary mm. letters. Um, yeah, so it, it came from that because I remember writing down ordinary stalker. Were the beneficiary really of your weird fascination with the the ordinary, so to speak, because that that provides you with so many so many wonderful books that we connect with all around the world. Karen was wondering, and I wanted to know this one as well. Karen was wondering where you where you get your names from in the book, and something that I've seen in a couple of your acknowledgements is you will do a charity um, prize, so to speak, where you will auction off. A name. I'm telling your story here, but all I want to know is how do I get to go to one of those charity things, or can I do a bid, or where do you get your names from? Uh, yes, so you're right. I've had a few names um, that have come to me from charity auctions, where really the um, charities have just come to me and said, "Are, are you happy to um, have a character name in one of your books as an auction prize?" And then I quite like that because sometimes those characters. Um, sort of make the, uh, sorry, those names actually help develop the character. So Simon Barrington was um, the, a particular name and he just, just that name itself helped create such a, a lovely character. Um, I'm there with Simon. I feel like I would like Simon, that I, I, was, I was rooting for Simon. <laughs> well, Simon, yeah, Simon's our sort of boy because he's a country boy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I like Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, so if I don't have, um, so that's just one part of where I get names from. Often I will look up names of people born in that particular year. So to make sure it works for that. Um, so popular baby names for 19... 70. The other thing I do is um, I make sure characters have different first initials so they I don't confuse the readers because I have so many characters in my books I don't want to um, if, you know if you have the, the same first initials then you'll think wait a sec who is this. So I want to have different syllables too so you know not too many with um, uh, just one syllable not too many with multiple syllables. So there's all different, yeah, different ways that they come to me. I'm so glad that we asked that question. That's that's a little nugget of gold that you have given to any authors who are listening now. I know that somebody listening is a, a really lovely author, Maya Linnell, and she's she's just released, I think it could be her third book. And so she would like to know from you, what's your number one tip for new authors starting out? Ah, oh, for new authors. So it's it's tricky because, first of all, I always say to, um, if you haven't actually written your book, um, uh, oh, so there's all levels. So there's to aspiring authors, to young people, I say, lead a fascinating, interesting life, do, a, you know, a variety of careers, um, take up any opportunities. Um, 
I sort of jokingly say, take a journey across dangerous terrain, uh, because basically when you sit down to write, you need a treasure trove of material to call upon. Uh, but then I always say, but of course I did none of that. Uh, and you can make it, you can obviously make it up. Uh, and then the other thing I say is if you, if you're, um, you want to write, but you're finding trouble uh, finishing your novel, um, that some sort of structure helps. So whether it's a writing group or even just a writing buddy, um, but none of this applies to this question. It's more so, Oh, I'm trying so you mentioned to... your writing buddies. You do mention that in your acknowledgements, just to say thank you. So that that pushes you along, does it? Yeah. So to have so to have people in the writing community is is lovely. Um, I used to read my reviews. I no longer read my reviews. Apparently, I used to say because somebody read back and um, an interview to me that I said I always read my reviews. Uh, and <laughs> take into account um, what they said. But now I don't uh, at all. Uh, so I would say, and Stop my, yes, my sister Jackie, she stopped reading her reviews a long time ago, but she's always had better willpower than me. So perhaps I'd say, don't read your reviews. I think that's great advice. And, and really all that matters is, I, I suppose, the fact that people, you know, th there you are, there's your name, number one, New York Times bestseller list and I know that I read somewhere that you think your greatest achievement in life is not tripping up the steps when you went to accept your Emmy award. <laughs> I, I did have such a terror of because I know if I had tripped I wouldn't look like um is it Jennifer Lawrence the lovely Jennifer Lawrence who trips yeah but and I think she and she looks gorgeous I would have just looked ridiculous if I tripped and I probably would have done an ankle or you know properly hurt myself uh so no so that's yeah that's the story of when I walked up on stage and the um lovely Keith Urban was there and um offered me his hand and I think he was just doing it in a gentlemanly way but I said I hold on tight, I held on with an iron grip all the way up uh, to the stage. Um, you, you also mentioned like the first time that you met Reese and, and Nicole, you were kind of completely dazzled by their, their star power. Uh, my husband says, I'm so in love with Nicole that he thinks I must have been a waitress at her wedding because <laughs> I know every day, I know the red roses on the table, I know the first song, oh my God, it's really embarrassing. What was it like when you first met our Nick? Um, not sure, girl. <laughs> yes, uh, she is our Nick. Um, well, she was just lovely and uh, warm, and um, and yeah, I I have often told the story of going to the cafe and the cafe um, was closed, and I, I thought to myself, perhaps it's closed just for her. Perhaps they're just going to open for her, and going around to uh, see the the cooking the cooks in the kitchen and saying to them are you closed and they said yes uh, and I said but are you closed for everyone and I was making meaningful eye contact so they would know that I was in with the the special people and they said yes <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> for everyone what are you talking about it's very embarrassing <laughs> but no she was just she was just lovely tall Tall, very tall. I do, yes, when um, people, because um, I've been asked recently, uh, how would you describe um, 
Nicole in a uh, and a, in three words or something, and I think I said warm, loyal, and and tall. Oh, very tall. Yeah. Um, I, I also wanted to make sure that we got into this conversation. Um, okay, uh, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit, but um, a little bit about your health uh, because I saw in an interview um, a little while ago you you mentioned that you you'd had a, a recent health challenge. And I was also thinking far out, there's no way that anyone could begrudge you your success because, geez, you've had to work for it in regards to your health challenges, haven't you? You've, um, you've been thrown everything. Um, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. Uh, so that was after delivering Apples Never Fall uh, when I was um, keeping up to date with all my life administration but I was right on time for my mammogram so I encourage anybody especially during lockdown um, and when we're also distracted by the pandemic um, to keep and if, if you've been putting off your mammogram if you've been thinking about it um, please go ahead and um, make that appointment uh, because I know if uh, if I'd been put off, if for some reason it had got cancelled, then I know I would have got distracted with the publicity for the new book mm. and perhaps let it go for another year. But because it was picked up at that um, routine mammogram, it was caught early, so um, my prognosis was was good and I'm now on the other side of treatment so I think what you would have seen on Facebook was me ringing the bell on that that last day of um of treatment so I'm very thankful that it was caught early I'm just wondering um, I'm glad that we talked about that because I know someone may be listening right now and they'll think about it um even if anything um for all of us male and female to be mm careful of our health, protective. Yeah, exactly. Of our health. Yeah. And the men, yes, the men, because the men are terrible at um they don't they don't want to go to, to keep up to date with their appointments. So um yeah, the men as well, exactly. I'm going to ask you an annoying question now. Get ready. Mm. Um because I wasn't sure if I should ask this, but two people asked me to ask you. So I'll ask it. Um, when you option a book, and uh, I, I know that with um, Big Little Lies, it was it was it followed very closely um, the book, and Nine Perfect Strangers um, was a little bit different. Um, as the author, how do you deal with that? Do you have to just creatively release control when it strays slightly? Um, yeah, I don't find that an annoying question at all. I was so ready to, to be annoyed. I wasn't. <laughs> what could she be asking? Ask me about it, okay? Don't ask me to ask her. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't find that at all annoying. Um, no, because in, well, both cases, I have just handed the book completely over. So I can't then... Um, I, it would be very bad mannered to uh, complain in any way about changes because I, in both cases, was offered the opportunity to write the screenplay. Um, but because I don't, uh, one of my, for me, one of the pleasures in writing is not planning my books and seeing what happens. So for me, there's no pleasure in, um, in writing my own adaptation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I loved both Big Little Lies and Nine Perfect Strangers. I've always felt that adaptations should not stick 
completely closely to the source material because it's a different medium. So they require uh, different things. Um, and also when people say to me, oh, I hope they don't change your book, I always say, but they can't change my book. Nobody can change my book because that, that's still there. And your experience of reading it uh, is also quite, every single reader has a different experience of reading it. And it's, that's my imagination and the reader's imagination. And that's what matters to me. Um, the book is what matters. And to me, mm. the adaptations have been a lovely perk of the job, but I'm not writing them to be seen on the screen. Uh, yeah. So if there are changes, then to me, that's, um, and in fact, I actually enjoy seeing some of the changes because then it's fresh to me. So, um, yeah. yeah, And that's another form of creativity. Okay. Yeah. That's what they did with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. When you say they can't change the book, mm. um, over your shoulder, you, you've got a few copies of, yeah. um, of the latest one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Two, two quick questions. Okay. This is a daggy one. Um, how's it feel when, when you see that your book is number one um, New York Times bestseller? Um, <laughs> it feels good uh, it's just a nice it's it's a nice thing obviously to to hear uh to hear those american accents down the the phone line uh it's always early in the morning because that's when the um the figures come out so it's it's just been some lovely phone calls to remember receiving it feels very abstract because you know it doesn't feel real and uh, you know they are, and I can remember thinking did that just happen should I maybe I shouldn't actually tell people in case I didn't I didn't really hear what I think I just heard uh yeah so it feels a little surreal um nothing nothing about publishing books feels real except when I meet readers and when I see readers out in the real world reading my books so when I you know see somebody on a plane or on a beach um, those are the moments when it feels real and I, I love that. It is also lovely as a reader because you feel that you're a part of a, a wider community yeah I read that I read that too and and you feel connected because it's going all around the world. I have had a lot of lovely comments also um, about the the lady is it Caroline Lee who is the narrator of your Audio books, is that right? And one of the questions was, will Caroline be doing your next book or Apples Never Fall? Uh, yes, I believe Caroline has already done it. Um, yes, I'm not an audiobook listener myself. So Caroline uh, sort of slowly crept into my consciousness when um, readers started mentioning her name uh, and I started seeing her name appear on reviews uh, and realised that she is such a wonderful part of many readers um their experience of of reading my my books um so i'm really grateful to her it took me a um a while to um realize i needed to be including her in my acknowledgements because she was such an important part of um of my readers reading pleasure in the same way that uh wasn't until i met some of my translators i did a scandinavian uh, book tour uh, and and being you know I only speak English um, um, and so hearing them talk about oh, things like they had to to look up um, one lady was saying she had to go onto YouTube to try and hear the sound of a kookaburra's laugh 
so that she could translate properly the way my description of a kookaburra's laugh. And I thought, oh my goodness, I had no idea that obviously the really good translators are again, it's another whole new layer that um, hmm. they're, they're adding to my work that so I needed, I needed to thank them as well. You're right, it is, it is a whole other uh, realm, it's a whole other audience, and it's lovely that, that people have asked me to ask you about Caroline. I mean, yeah. people, people know her name know. from your book, which is beautiful. Yes. So I hope she I hope she keeps doing my books as for as, as long as she is able to. You know what, Leon? I'm conscious of of your time. Um, I do have to say though, I think you have such a lovely speaking voice. Um, how do you find doing the public speaking and all that jazz? <laughs> That's a nice thing to say. I well as. Um, most people say I can not stand the sound of my own voice. Um, apparently there's some um, scientific reason for why we don't like the sound of our own voice. Um, I, I enjoy meeting readers. I love meeting readers a lot. So I have actually the pandemic really clarified that, that the book tour at the end is a really important part of my career uh, and I used to sort of complain about the travel but now I say I was just showing off when I was complaining about the uh, the travel part I love meeting uh, readers um, so I enjoy that uh, and I love talking to you of course and to, uh, I love all these events um, uh, but yeah I don't like so much afterwards then I will think of things that I said and then I can if I allow myself spiral into a, you know go into an anxiety spiral about I don't know what did I say I said Nicole was tall isn't that, that's it's on the public record isn't it surely that's you know um, it's true so I don't need to worry about that but yeah I'll, I'll have the anxiety spiral about what did I say that I shouldn't have said? So I don't like that part. I think that's, that is normal human nature. Um, obviously, I'm going to have to ask you, what's next? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there will be just an, um, another novel because, um, again, that was clarified when I took that year off and then when I just immediately started writing a new novel again, it clarified for me that... Um, in that year of joy that what brings me joy is is writing novels so I will do that again but I do find that um, it takes a while uh, because this is a different it's a, um, a different uh, what's a, what's the word um, I'm using a different part of myself doing publicity for my mm. book so I need to once once uh, I'm done then I say no more interviews yep. I can't talk about myself myself. Yeah. yeah because part of writing is to lose your sense of self uh, and I can't be so overly aware of myself I can't sit at my desk and think oh look at me being a writer look at me not planning um aren't I interesting um so no more talking about myself and then uh and then I'll see what what comes what about travel because um this uh this realm is um uh, is, is called Journeys to Come. Uh, obviously, I'm a little bit obsessed with, with travel. Did yeah. that feature in your year of joy or, or where do you like to go to or is there somewhere on the bucket list? 
Uh, it did feature, um, and I'm so happy that it did, um, because, yeah, I did, um, where did I go? We went to Bora Bora. We went oh. to, um, which was gorgeous. So that was, um, although <laughs> there were a lot of honeymooners around um, with, uh, <laughs> with our noisy children. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy, I enjoyed watching the honeymooners and imagining what lay ahead for them. Um, and I did a Scandinavian book tour and then the family, we all went around Scandinavia too, trying to think, I think we did. Did a you see the Aurora Borealis? No, no. I've never so, seen it. No, so I'm, um, there's a lot of things that um, I'm desperate to you know, I should ask you to provide me with a bucket list, really. Anytime. <laughs> because um, then we didn't go away. You know, we didn't know what was about to happen. I do remember that very last uh, break where, uh, where we said, oh, we've been travelling a lot. We won't, we won't go away on this um, school holiday, having no idea of what an incredible privilege it was to be able to get on a plane mm -hmm. um, and go somewhere. So, yeah, we can't wait to, to travel again. Well, I will wrap things up on that note because I've stretched my 20 minutes pretty well. Because <laughs> it's so lovely talking to you. <laughs> well, it's been a delight to talk to you. And um, especially considering both times that I've I've seen you was um, was giggle worthy for um, want of a better technical term. So I really look forward to, to seeing you out and about and, and well done on this wonderful book. It's, um, pardon the pun, it's a joy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you again in the real world on that. Absolutely. Yeah, one day soon. All right. Well, enjoy your beautiful office. I'll speak to you later. Take care, Katrina. Bye. Thank you so much to Leanne Moriarty for joining us. And I hope that your questions were answered as well. <laughs> as Leanne said, there's no plan. Normally, you just see what happens. Very, very relatable. And isn't it wonderful to, um, to, to share that success with her as well? So thank you once again for joining us on Journeys to Come. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Leanne Moriarty.